Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. super excited today. I get to interview one of my fellow Beautiful You life coach, uh, what were we, co-students? Co- yeah. Cohort yeah. members? Yeah. Graduates? We were graduates. graduates we are graduates. Um, yeah. And uh, so this is Liz and I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I'm really excited about our conversation today. We're going to um, dive into all things Liz and uh, hear about what she's doing, um, what she's passionate about, and um, what she's uh, launching here um, in her life. So Liz, tell us who you are. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, so my name is Liz Pesarin, and I am, I guess, an international life coach now. Yeah. We recently graduated, and I am a therapist based in California. Um, I am a massive outdoor lover, so you will find me hiking the mountains. Um, I'm based in the Sierra Nevadas, so I have beautiful scenery every day. Um, I love to cook. I love to bake. I love a good laugh. Um, and friends and family are definitely the most important thing. I have a cute little dog who's joined me on this call sitting right next to me and a fiance. Um, but I actually, that's kind of, you know, the personal side of me. Um, but I actually have a unique story of how I became a life coach and what made that transition. So I, I started as a therapist, um, which is hard enough, I'd say, to try <laughs> to go to school for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of walked walked through that journey of um, struggle and staying consistent, but feeling um, not really aligned or connected truly to myself through that process. And then I kind of came out on the other side with a degree, with the job, with all the, the out side external benefits, like, wow, Liz, Liz has it all, um, but feeling really unsatisfied and lost. So, um, it, it caused me to kind of reevaluate everything at a fairly young age and go back to square one. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but, um, so I became a life coach and, um, have kind of blended the two a little bit. And I really focus on helping women discover, their own magic because it took me so long to discover my own. Um, and I feel like a lot of times the world kind of diminishes our spark. So reconnecting with yourself, finding your purpose and your magic within you and sharing that with the world. Oh, that's beautiful. I love, I love that. Uh, the idea that I could pull that magic out of myself. That's, that's a really, um, exciting thing. Um, I, I know that we have a few uh, connections to the PNW. Um, you yes. spent some time up here. So I'm really curious um, a little bit of your story, uh, like where you, because where you, I know this is part of why you do what you do. 
where, uh, where you started, you know, school, why you went into therapy, um, why you made those choices, and then just kind of walk us through that, how you landed where you are in California. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're hold on folks. We're for a ride now. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was, I'd say my story is really typical. I don't find myself to be unique in this. Um, so I hope people do resonate and can find a connection. I was the typical teenage girl who uh, had no clue what she wanted to do with her life, but just followed the steps everybody told her to do. I come from a super um, successful family, actually, and I'm really proud of them and all that they've accomplished. Um, so it was highly expected of me to go and get an undergraduate degree, go on to get graduate school. Uh, education was incredibly important within my immediate family. <clears throat> so I just did that. I went to college with no clue what a major was or really who I was um, or what I was supposed to do. So I just started taking classes and the time goes on and you have to pick a major. And I knew I had to get done in a certain amount of time, right? That four years mm. was expected. So um, I went to a counselor and I had a horrible experience with a college counselor, unfortunately. I, uh, I went in there all nervous and scared. And this lady was like, you need to pick because you're, and I think I've already told you this story, Jessica, but you're on an airplane and you have no gasoline and you have no destination. And if you mm. don't pick, you're going to burn and, you know, crash the plane and burn into flames. That <laughs> and is it was so frightening. A, I know. So frightening. <laughs> and she was no pressure. Old, oh, man. So a little crotchety gal. God bless her. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> she must have been there for like 100 years. And I'm this 18-year-old with these big eyes just, you know, quivering my lip, terrified and being like, okay, you know, and she just was like, do you like this? Do you like that? Are you good at this? Are you good at that? And I was like, well, I'm a nanny. I'm good at working with kids. And she's like, do you want to be a teacher? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. And then she's like, what about psychology? You want to help people? <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course I want to wow. help people. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, I had no idea really what I wanted to do. I picked psychology because I've been told I was good at it. I had experience in high school working with this peer mentorship experience with kids. And so I just like picked it. It wasn't that I had this like love or passion for it. Um, I felt like it was something I was good at and I was always insecure. So I was like, anything I can feel confident in, I'll go for it. Um, and I can figure it out kind of thing mm. as we go. Thankfully, I did the following year get a wonderful counselor who really took the time to connect with me and say, let's, let's do some exploration classes, Liz. Let's kind of figure it out. Mm. But I was also pretty far in and I wanted to get done and I didn't want to waste time or money. Um, and I wanted to make my parents proud. And my and my parents were really adamant that I get the degree and get the job, get the degree, get the job. So I stuck with psychology and I was like, well, there's a lot you can do with it. You know, it's kind of broad, blah, blah, blah. So I got my bachelor's in psych. I loved my college experience, mind you. I actually had wonderful friends, a good time. Um, lots of good memories. I, uh, I had a, yeah, I had a really good time. Um, and then, you know, you graduate and you don't really know what to do after that. It's mm. difficult with psychology. I'm sure a lot of people listening will understand getting a degree and then not actually having a job for it, um, or having a job that pays you minimum wage. So I got mm. a job that paid like 13 bucks an hour at that time was a decent, paycheck for me, but it wasn't going to pay all the bills. Yeah. Um, 
also, I, I met a guy and I kind of fell in love. And so I took this massive leap of faith and moved to San Diego. Now I'm, I'm born and raised in the Sierra Nevada. So I'm from Northern California. And I uh, was in college in the Bay Area of California and then met this guy, moved um, to San Diego with him. I'm not a Southern California girl. Um, and I say that if anybody is listening that is not <laughs> from Northern Southern California, it's like two separate worlds. Uh, so anyhow, I was nervous to go to this beach life with all these beautiful goddesses that are bronzed. I'm like this white pale mountain lady. Um, but, <laughs> but I go down there and it was wonderful. It was just the best, best thing ever. But I told myself, if I'm going to go down there, I have to get an education. I have to have a reason. My parents are not going to be okay with me just going to San Diego and not having a plan. Mm. So I just started, you know, applying to graduate schools and it was in counseling because that's what I knew. And that was what you do in, after psychology. And I got into grad school and I uh, started doing that and I dove in deep. And I just kept doing it because I learned how to be a student. I was good at being a student. Mm -hmm. I knew how to do that. Even if it was hard and it sucked at times, it was familiar to me. And I pursued a master's and I got a dual master's, which I'm very proud of. I got that master's before the age of 24, which is crazy to mm -hmm. people. Um, I don't know what, but again, here's the deal. I did took, take any time off from school to find myself. So I get out of grad school and we're still in love and we are kind of like, what do we do next? <laughs> it's just mm. kind of, it was just these things that kept happening. It's like, you get to an end point, you focus on that short-term sighted goal and you just focus on that and complete it. And then you start over again when you get a new goal um, and you're done. And so that was, that's what happened. We finished grad school. I didn't know what we wanted to do. So uh, my boyfriend and I were like, let's go live somewhere different. So we did. We went up to the Pacific Northwest just yeah. for the heck of it. There was no reason. We didn't have um, we didn't have jobs. We didn't have place to live. We just went. The mountains were calling. Yeah, yeah, those trees. Oh, gosh. So we moved up there. It was awesome and amazing, and I loved it, and my heart will always be at peace. Did you guys move to Oregon? We right? moved to Oregon. Yes. So we moved specifically to Oregon. We started in Portland, then moved to Salem. I got a job in uh, Corvallis area. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but we've, we kind of were all around and we traveled yeah. a ton. So traveling, I forgot to say, I love to travel. Uh, but so that was kind of that piece. And it was, I got out of grad school and it was almost embarrassing to admit that I still had no idea who I was. I'm young. I look like I have it all together from the outside, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Mind you, I started a job at a college and I loved it, which was great. But I was the same age as my students mm -hmm. and I was the professor, which is, <laughs> I <just laughs> telling this story is like hysterical because it's a comedy. Like little Liz walks into, you know, the classroom. Everyone's looking at her like, where, which seat she going to sit in? She's another student. And I go to the front and I'm like, hi guys. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing up here, but we're going to learn about psychology. And I just was teaching these intro classes or whatever. And I, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I'm very grateful that people gave me the chance and the opportunity. Um, they saw something in me, which I was grateful for, but definitely crazy. So I, I spent this time, um, 
we moved some more, we uh, landed upon a different job. And that was the, that was the job where I was just like, oh my gosh, um, I suddenly don't know who I am. Like really mm. don't know who I am. I didn't think this was it. Um, I thought this adulthood would be different. I thought this job, this lifestyle would be different. Um, and it was the weirdest feeling because so many people were messaging me and talking to me like, oh my gosh, Liz, congratulations. You look so happy. Your life looks so wonderful. Oh, I wish I could be like you. It was hard to hear that mm. because I wasn't in a mindset of feeling like anybody should follow my footsteps. I didn't even know who the heck I was and why did I do that for so many years? And that cost me so much money. Did um, you feel like uh, you didn't know who you were occupationally or in every area of your life? That's a great question. Especially occupationally was a, a huge piece for me. Um, but kind of like, what was my mission in life? What was mm. I here to do? Did I have anything special? Uh, I was a big dreamer growing up. In college, I believed I could be Oprah. You know, I just, I thought yeah. anybody could do anything. And then I it suddenly kind of dawned on me that people just do what they got the job to do and they stick in it and they do the nine to five and that's their life. And it just, it made me really sad. It made me really did you, sad. Did you still have dreams at that point? Was that where, were you feeling that conflict between, uh, I might be living somebody else's dream, but oh, I still have my own dream. Um, yes. But then I, then I got the doubt. So when mm. I was, when I was younger, I was just like, confident and excited and woohoo, life's great. Like, you know, we'll figure it out. Like we have the time. What I think came, became different in that stage of life is I felt like time was different for me, um, that it was going by faster, that I was getting not older, but that um, I just didn't have the, the um, 18, 19, 20 year old mindset anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I had dreams, but I wasn't sure that I'd actually be able to accomplish them. That's when I got doubt. Um, gotcha. because I realized so many other people were not accomplishing their dreams. Almost everybody I spoke to didn't accomplish what they were set out to do when they started. Mm. So then when I was getting the feedback was, oh, well, yeah, this is, this is what life is. This is the nine to five, get used to it. You, mm. this is it. And it was just crushing. It was yeah. so crushing. Um, I sat in an office by myself with tears in my eyes thinking, what the heck? have I gotten myself into mm. and how do I get out of it? Uh, and that was the start. That was where it started for me, where I was like, I don't want to be what everyone is saying that I'm going to be, which is financially stable, have the insurance and whatever. Uh, but, but letting go of my dearest and deepest passions in life or um, joys and uh, dreams. So I didn't want that. So what did you, what was rising up within you that said, but I kind of want this. What was the, this? Um, <laughs> gosh, I would say I wanted to wake up and feel alive. Hmm. I wanted to wake up and be stoked to be doing whatever I was doing. Hmm. I noticed I was coming home at the end of the day, exhausted, taking it out on my boyfriend, 
um, not feeling farther, farther away from my family, feeling more disconnected, um, feeling really alone and not having friends. That was really hard for me because we had moved so much that I didn't feel like I had a sense of friendships. Um, so I just felt alone and I didn't want to wake up feeling that way because I remember waking up and being like, Oh, it's just another day. Hmm. And Oh my gosh, I had everything. I, you know, I'm so privileged. I, and I take that very seriously. And I, I, I feel like, okay, if I've got this, this life I can live, like for heaven's sakes, let me help others. Let me do something. Let me make magic out of this. So that was, that was the feeling of like, how, why am I feeling this way? This mm-hmm. is silly. Um, let's do something about it. <laughs> so what'd you do? Hired a life coach, had a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, I went back to therapy. I, you have to, uh, in California, I, I, I believe it's every state in America, but you have to go to therapy for a certain amount of hours yourself just to get licensed and mm. complete your, your program. But I hadn't gone in a while. And there was a lot of stuff that I was working on in the past that just wasn't the same that I needed to work on at that present moment. So going back to therapy and exploring what I wanted to be and who I, who I wanted to be, what did I care about? What were my values? Mm. Um, what the biggest one though, was what was I taught that I felt the need to squash my dreams and to follow what everyone else wanted me to do? Mm. What was I taught? Because I was a dreamer, man. I thought I could do anything. I raised my girlfriend and I, I'm, I'm going to have to have her listen to this because she'll laugh. My best friend and I raised thousands of dollars when we were 11 years old mm, in our wow. little community for a family who lost their home over Christmas time. It burned down. And we were like, let's take action. Like we had a call to action and we went to the fire station and we were these motivated little girls with dreams of helping this family. We ended up getting them a house. We got them wow. thousands of dollars for the stuff, a whole, all the Christmas gifts. Like we like saved Christmas and we were just these dreamers, these little girls and wow. people just saw that within us and, you know, supported this family. And I felt like that's a testament of my spirit and her spirit. Um, but I felt throughout from the time we were 11 to the time you know, you're in your twenties, there was a lot of time where that dreamer side got squished and wasn't, wasn't, um, promoted. Where do you, where do you identify that, that dreamer side of you got squashed? Is that something that happens as you move through high school and there's this expectation, I've got to pick college, I've got to pick my career, I've got it. And then, I mean, you've explained this interaction with, um, uh, the college counselor, but it sounds like this was beginning to happen before that moment. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was just a pivotal moment with the college counselor because she's so, you know, traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it what it was. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, anybody would need therapy after that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how many children have you said this to? Um, no, it, so, uh, I mean, it, this is where therapy comes in. I had to go deep. I come from a family. I, I'm one of, gosh, there's like six of us kids and um, it's a blended family. And I'm the youngest with mm. older siblings. There's a big age gap. And my older siblings are incredible human beings that are changing the world mm. in big ways. So uh, being an attorney, being a chief of police and uh, anti-terrorist expert, a massive, popular, multi-million dollar designer for homes. Um, you have nothing to live up to. 
nothing. Are you kidding me? And I'm like this 10 year old braces, chubby kid, you know, like it was, it was super overwhelming. And that was where I got my dreams, uh, aspiration from and where I also got them squashed from. Yeah. It was like the same place, which is crazy. I know, but my dad is this really practical man. And he was all about like success in business and what's realistic. So very early on, it was like, well, that's not realistic. You need to be practical here. And he had every reason to do that because he came from another country, had to come up to the American dream, do all of that hard work. Mm-hmm. And here I am like just saying, I want to be Oprah. And he's like, what is <laughs> the matter with you, Elizabeth? You know, <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. So it started young. Because I had these killer siblings that had made financial and community success in what they did. And so I wanted to live up to them, but I never felt like I could. And the dreams I wanted weren't exactly theirs, right? So it was different and I didn't know how to make it a reality. So it was like this slow burn of like it, like a wet blanket just being put on mm. me. Um, if that makes sense, if that answers yeah. kind of where it rooted from. So I'm, I'm curious, because you've mentioned this a few times now, um, Oprah is a complex woman with many endeavors. Right? So as a kid, because this is not something you just arrived at at college. No. You have been saying this to yourself for a, a very long time, from a very small child. And the fact that you could raise money for this family like that, okay, I get this. I get this dream. Yeah. I want to be Oprah. But what... What was that in that statement? What did you want? What was it you were wanting when you said, I want to be Oprah? Ugh. I wanted it to change people's lives, mm. feel better. I wanted to be able to heal wounds and to make actionable steps for people. I wanted to bridge gaps. I wanted to come bring people back together. Uh and be and find the human in all of us. And I feel mm. like, you know, Oprah was the first to do it in, I guess, in, in my era, um, mm. before the big self-help. She was like the self-help guru. Right. Um, and I just admired that in her, that she was able to bring anybody and everyone onto her stage and somehow make them related to the rest of us, yeah. to make them human and to help to genuinely and sincerely help people. And mind you, she had a television show and she had all this other stuff to help her do that. But um, she too started out as a quote unquote average girl, you know, Mm -hmm. things actually were stacked far against her. And she, she saw hope and light in people and the world and wanted to share that and find that for others. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to be a part of that. I wanted to make the world a better place and shine light and bring hope and bring us together as humans and communities. So when you thought about that for yourself and all those things that you want, which I think is just beautiful, it gave me chills. Um, was there was there a method in which you saw that happening for yourself? Is, is that where the therapy piece made sense when that counselor and all her, you know, gifts and talents <laughs> um, placed that on you where you went, okay, well, that might connect with my dream? Yes. I, um, I, I never had a plan. It was honestly more of a joke. I would say it. 
I would just be like, I want to be like Oprah. And it was just like, oh, if you say it and you, you can laugh about it, but you're saying that you just want to help people and you want to give people free cars, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you get a house and you get a house, you know, yeah. like yeah. wouldn't everybody want that? Um, I never took it seriously. And the count, when the counselor was talking about psychology, it checked enough boxes of like, okay, well, I get to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can make change. You know, you, there's a lot of ways you can make change. Oh, and I've been told, I've been told that I'm good at it. I'm good. I'm a good listener. And that's a gift, you know, science and math weren't my best subjects. Uh, so I might as well do this. It doesn't, you don't have to take accounting to get a psych degree. Mm-hmm. Mind you, you have to take biostatistics, which is brutal, but I didn't know that <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't have to take math. You know, I should be good to go. This makes sense. It was just kind of like a, it, it works. But uh, that's, I think how that started. So you get to this place um, where you go, it's got to change. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what do you do? Like I said, I went back to therapy and yeah. then I uh, was really working on myself and, and what I wanted. And it was also, it was also discovering um, not just who I wanted to be in my career, but who I wanted to be in the world, how I wanted to present myself. Um, because I was such a people pleaser, I wanted to make my family proud. I come from that traditional family of like your last name matters. So I love you, mm. mom and dad. I know I'm representing you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am a still a Pisaran, you know, so like that was always really pushed on me. Um, but I was like, I am my own individual and I don't even know what I like, what I want to like. I've always just been like, if I felt good about something I just went with it kind of but it wasn't it wasn't calculated it wasn't thought through it was just very go with the flow of what everyone's doing in the world and uh then I hired a life coach and this was a time where I was like I need actionable steps I'm done exploring my history and my traumas and my wounds like now I just want to move forward and I want to make Mm. I want to make a plan and that's when I hired a life coach and I actually tried like three life coaches being a therapist was a little tricky because you have really high standards. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I had a, I had discovered a little bit more about what I really wanted in life. And so when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I need to find somebody that I click with that I genuinely can feel connected to. And I discovered Erica Carico, who is a world renowned international life coach. What just won the international life coaching award of the year this year. She is just, she is the, she's my freaking hero. I Mm. love this woman. (laughs) And I started to work with her and I just said, look, I am young. I am lost. And I I need help taking actionable steps to change because I can see myself getting stuck in this cycle. Mm. Uh, And, and yes, I might know a little bit more about who I am, um, on a deeper personal level, but I don't want to get stuck in this career. Um, Mm. help me out, help me get out of this. So, and that's what she did. So, I also spent a lot of time talking to my, at the time, boyfriend's ear off. He's now my fiance. We're still together. It's wonderful. Um, (laughs) But at the time I was just like really leaning into him and his support. I started leaning onto the friends that I, the few friends that I really had lots of wine nights, just openly talking about it. Because what I figured out was like, nobody actually talks about how much they hate their, their job and do anything about it. That's the difference. People talk about how much they hate their job. But people don't talk about how to change it and like turn it into a positive and and do something about it. I think people are really comfortable in the misery 
and mm. it's known, it's familiar. So they don't really know what to do or they don't really want to do anything about it. I thought, I think that's where I was a little different. I was like, no, no, folks, I do not want to sit in this, this story. <laughs> I want out of this yeah. story. And, uh, and so that's when I met Erica, started working with her and that's when things really started to unfold. So what was it in, um, your role as a therapist? What were the things that you really enjoyed in it? And what were the things that were causing this feeling of something, you know, I've got to change this path, this trajectory that I'm on? Um, another amazing question. I would say the things I loved most was the connections I was able to make with people to hold a really sacred and safe environment for them to explore with no judgment, with no bias, mm. just a chance to, to just ask the questions, to, to think about stuff they never thought about before, to question every single thing they were taught and mm. to, and to not have me say, well, I told you so. Cause that's a lot of like family. Right. You know? Right. Um, and to just say, yeah, that sucks. Like those those connecting moments to this day are the most important and special to me hmm. because that was a, that was a space where seeds were planted and flowers were growing. Hmm. It was an opportunity for them individuals to plant their own seeds and grow themselves and not need to be watered by anybody else, not to hmm. be taken care of by anyone else, but to do it all on their own. Wow. Um, that I loved. What was difficult was working with folks that weren't choosing to come on their own, um, but were being forced to. Mm. Um, and working with children um, who, again, didn't have the, the, this wasn't their story that they wanted. It was the, the this was the hand that they were given, kind of mm. whatever that saying is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is what they were dealt and they don't have choices and they don't have options. They can't get out of this and it's not their fault. And yet I'm supposed to quote unquote fix it, or I'm supposed to uh, change it. And I can't. So my hands were always tied and all I could do was kind of put a bandaid on such a deeper wound and issue that I knew I would see these kids as adults, <laughs> like in yeah. 10 years. And here I am. I'm like, this is a chance where you can make a shift, but I couldn't, it was just limiting. And it mm. drove me uh, nuts. And I felt like that was the hardest, you know, being, um, being in that position. Mm. And it was draining. It was too draining on me. I didn't feel like I could really be objective at times. I felt uh, that I just couldn't serve the way that they needed. And I was losing my passion. Mm. So what, what was it that your life coach helped you to uncover, to move you into new space for yourself? I think she asked questions that nobody asked before, made me really sit and think. Um, again, she did hold a beautiful space like I was able to do as a therapist, but she did it in a way that was different. And that was, I'll hold you here, but I'm also going to make you move. And, uh, I loved that about her. Um, she didn't let me sit in stuff for too long. She uh, pushed me into thinking about what I wanted my future to look like and, and making it realistic instead of that, oh, I want to be Oprah statement. Well, what in the heck can get you to Oprah? 
Mm-hmm. How could you become Liz Pasarin and not Oprah, but the have the same characteristics and traits and essence of her or of who you are meant to be? Mm-hmm. And what is your gifts and what is your life purpose and what is your magic? And I like to say your through line, which is what is that familiar constant in your characteristics and traits since you were a little kid? Like what's been that constant? Nobody ever asked me that. And, and so that was really cool. So it's just like pieces of me that I was able to really think about as to what I wanted to be in this world. Um, why did it matter? Like, that was another question that nobody asked me is like, why does it matter that you have to, to be something in this world? And it was just like, what do you mean? You know? And that was just such it matters. A, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. It was just mind blowing for me. Uh, um, but finding that life purpose, that through line gave me a plan, gave me an idea. It, g- it gave me a chance to connect back to who I really was at a deeper, I guess, magical level. And mm-hmm. what gifts did I have that I felt the world needed to hear and see? And that was, I am a helper. I love, wow. since a little kid, I love to, to bring people together and to like I would have so many little parties in the backyard. <laughs> I was like, you know, lots of bringing people together and being um, a collective individual that loves serving and helping. And that's what, that's where it's like the therapy, it was similar. It was a very right. similar path. It just wasn't quite connected, aligned a hundred percent. So I was, that's why I so like, I love therapy and there's a huge part of my life. Like I'm still very much so a therapist. So if you need therapy, you know, we can talk. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love it. I'll be good. I promise. Uh, but that the life coaching uh, piece that I didn't know was even possibility. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know anyone was a life coach until I met Erica. And I was yeah. like, Oh, you're legit. You're real. Like that's a, that's a career. Tell me about it. And so she really uh, asked me questions about what I wanted and what I imagined and then educated me on life coaching and also educated me on characteristics about myself that I thought were negative. Mm. Okay. Talk talk into that. Yeah. So I, um, I loved to be as a kid kind of the center stage, bringing people together, being the mother hen, right? Um, Leading people, guiding people, having the answers. I was always like the mama bear in my group of friends. uh, And I thought that was a negative trait. And the reason I did was because in society, we are always told that's showing your ego. You have a big ego. Be Mm -hmm. humble. Be humble. And my mom is from Alabama and she was Quaker and she is the most humble human. Mm-hmm. And man, she would plant me in the, my face in the dirt if I acted boastful or cocky. Right. That is not who you are. And that is not how our family behaves. And that is not being a, a true uh, servant heart of a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was being taught to me. But here I am wanting to be cocky enough to have my own talk show and give free cars away. Mm. And it didn't match. And I thought that was a really bad thing. I thought you have a big ego Liz. you think you're good enough at your age to tell people what to do. 
And Erica said, but what if that's your magic? What if, what if that's your gift and that you're actually here to do that? I don't know. I just was like, girl, you crazy. (laughs) I was like, no, my mama would not agree with you. Like there is no way. And, and, uh, and that was the turning point. The ultimate turning point was to see that some of the most beautiful gifts that we have in our hearts are being told that they're bad traits or negative characteristics, that qualities that we don't need to be boastful about. For, For me, that was the catalyst. And when I was able to suddenly see that a piece of me was actually really positive and if and if used properly could be incredibly helpful mm. and uh and so then we we started talking about what I could do and how I could do it and what it looks like and all of it and then all of a sudden I will never forget I was just glowing I was beaming I was mm. smiling ear to ear I was giddy I was ex- just ecstatic I remember like getting down my call and running into my bedroom my boyfriend's like what's up and I'm like I found my life purpose like I know what I'm supposed to do with my life and he's like is it that you know is it that easy <laughs> help me out you know he's like Cause I don't know what I'm doing with my life. and and I make it sound like oh I had this moment and what I realized is that it's not that I found my life purpose I just rediscovered the magic within me that I've had since I was a little mm. freaking kid and we all have it it yeah. just got it just got dulled it got really tarnished and dulled, and I was told it was wrong, and I believed yeah. it. You so, and I have had these conversations previously about, um, you know, our our clients and our personal experience that we we tend to swing in these pendulums of I'm not enough and I'm too much, yes. right? <laughs> and I and I think especially as women, we really deal with this on uh, another level. Because there are these societal, um, depending on where we're raised, depending on what the culture of um, our home was, um, maybe what our religious background or uh, the context of a small town, big town, like a lot of dynamics can play into this. But we're, we're taught from a very young age that there are certain appropriatenesses that we are, are expected of us. So... Uh, don't be too much this, you know, so you were using some, some words about um, ego when actually tapping into confidence is a really empowering thing. But when we hear it framed in terms of ego, it's a very negative thing. And so we're too much. If I begin to become confident in something or I like something about myself, it's really egotistical of me to like myself Right. And so, yeah, it, it, it really is. But when we, um, when we understand this from such a young age of, it's not just one person or one environment that does that, but it, over time we, we learn Mm -hmm. that if I move in this direction, maybe I feel really inclined to move in this direction. Um, that is, mm, girl, why do you think you should be Mm -hmm. Oprah? I mean, mm-hmm. what an what a egotistical thought, right? Yeah. Like nobody could be she Oprah, she, right? Who does she thinks she is. There's only one Oprah for heaven's right. sake. Yeah. But 
but to have somebody in your life that can sit with you in that space and say, you have all the permission to like any part of yourself and celebrate those parts that you like. That's a, that's a gift. You know, it is, it is absolutely to when somebody says you have permission to be those things that you feel, um, it's, it's a pretty empowering, um, it's a pretty empowering space. What did you, what did you do with it? So you come in and you have this, I, I found me moment. Mm -hmm. I, I, all of these things and parts of me that felt like they went in different directions and, and even butted heads with themselves, you know, like, well, I'm this, but I'm, but I also need to be this and, Mm -hmm. and everything's in conflict. And you have this moment where it just comes into a clear alignment for you. Um, what did you do with that? I was terrified. Really? flat out terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Why were you afraid? What did it, what was, what was I going to lose? What was this, what ripple in the pond was I going to create? Because again, going back to that child's story, uh, I, I impact everybody around me. My decisions are not just my own, but they will affect every relative friend person in my community my neighbor seven doors down. I don't know. That was just the way it made it. It felt. Felt to you. Yes. And so I thought, oh, well, this is going to be a disappointing story for people that I, that I'm not following through with their dream of me mm. or the dream they had for me. That's going to hurt. And I don't want to hurt people. I also hate conflict. Absolutely hate it. You'd Mm. think I'd be really good at it with being a therapist, but I still hate it. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I, uh, I didn't know what to do with it. It was so big. It was super overwhelming. Um, So yes, as excited and thrilled as I was, it was just so magical. Again, the pendulum swing, it's like, you've got this, this bright sunshine on one end but then like the darkness just sets in because you're just like, how do I get there exactly? Hmm. How do I manage my day to day? Because I would have these sessions with Erica, right? So they would be like every other week and I'd be in this wonderland for an hour. Right. But then I'd go back to daily life the rest of the week. And I would look forward to this wonderland and I dream about this wonderland, but I didn't know actually how to like make it happen. Um, and And when I started setting up plans and she started taking the time to create actionable items for me to do in between our sessions, that's when I saw Mm. the, the way to that sunshine to actually get there and not do it in total fear. Cause I was kind of paralyzed for a minute. I just was like, okay, cool. Now I know this. I don't know what to do, but then I was able to say, okay, what's the first step? Um, I decided I wanted to be a life coach. Do I choose to just do this path on my own? I'm, I am a therapist. Like I don't mm-hmm. need to be certified. Um, lots of therapy, therapists take on life coaching. Um, or do I um, go back to school and study life coaching? Um, do I walk away from my, my day job entirely? Do I not? Um, I didn't want to walk away from my day job entirely. I wanted to keep that. And 
I decided I wanted to go back to school to learn a modality to like, of course, this is the therapist brain. I'm like, I have to understand the structure of <laughs> treatment, you know? Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of where I, where I started and I signed up for that. And it was a big commitment. I remember calling my best friend and saying like, do I do this? This is a huge financial investment. I don't make a lot of money. Um, you know, I'm trying to pay off all those student loan debts that I right. created going to graduate school. And is this worth it? Am I, am I, is my head in the clouds, you know? Cause like I said, I felt like I was in this magical place with her, but I didn't know if this was sustainable. But you couldn't let go of it either. No, there was, was something was a, you discovered. And uh, uh, my husband and I say all the time, um, you can't unsee what you've seen. Exactly. You oh, saw yeah. something. Oh yeah. I saw the light within me for like the first time knowing that I had these gifts and talents that were not negative, but were really positive and, and helpful and that I can actually help people. Uh, how could I deny that? How could I deny? Mm. And something Erica would say is like, she firmly believes that we have magical gifts within us that we are the only people that have it. Mm. So no one else repeats exactly what we have. And so if we don't share it with the universe and the world, they will be, gifts that will be hidden forever and oh. they will never be shared. Oh, and that's she, powerful. Oh, woo, right? right? I was like, I can't let my gifts be unseen by the universe forever. Like <laughs> I, to- <laughs> I totally ate that man. I totally <laughs> ate that up. Uh, but I mean, she just knew exactly what to tell me. Um, but what the point being is that there is, there, you are here for a reason. And there is this story that you need to share. And mm. that is whatever, your gifts are like, let people know because, and I do firmly believe if we were all in alignment with our hearts and our souls, and we were truly connected to us, our world would be a different world. We would every single action item that we'd be doing like in life would be coming from a different headspace from a heart centered approach. Mm. I don't think half the issues and the world problems we'd have would be the same because we would all be in this like mystical alignment with ourselves. Is that realistic? You know, I don't know, but I'm just saying that that is firmly what I believe each and every one of us has within us and that we can tap into. We have to take the time to do it Uh, because I don't think, I don't think you can go through your life the way it's established in America today without having some of your sparkle dwindled, it's just society's nature and it's small stuff, you know, so it's easy to kind of get lost in it. Um, So I, I, I saw that and I, I wanted to find that I found the spark within me and I couldn't let it go. I just couldn't let it go. I, it's like, you can't see, you you can't unsee it. Yeah. So, so you started listening to that deeper voice within yourself I did. And started giving it permission mm-hmm. to to guide you to make choices. Oh yeah, it was so hard. So you signed up for the thing? I signed up for life coaching. I and I have to commend my best friend because that woman has stood by me and just said, do it. Like she wouldn't she wouldn't listen to any of my but 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 no. She was like, just do it, okay? Just go do it. <laughs> just go do it. I'm tired of watching this. I need to get to the end of the movie. <laughs> she was just like, let's move on. <laughs> so um, I, I did. I, I signed up for life coaching um, back in October. And I dove 
head first (laughs) and, and went for it. And it was hands down the best decision I could have made. I'm continuously working with Erica to build my own business. Um, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. I feel like this is really where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed Mm. to be doing. The journey, this is just the beginning. Like the journey is just starting and there's so much ahead. And I feel, I feel truly good in my shoes. When I wake up in the morning, I am happy with what I'm about to go do. Mm. And I don't think I ever thought I'd get there. Um, and so to be in this, this place now where I wake up and I'm like, man, I did it. Like I'm, I'm here. Let's see where I go next is exciting place. It's an exciting place to be. So one of the things you and I have um, discussed with um, the particular avenue that you're taking your business, your coaching um, practice, um, I, I want to connect into you because I am a parent of uh, 19 and 20 year olds and um, understand on a on my own level when I you know left high school and what was I going to do I understand that decision making process for life and of course I jumped into the same school and at the same time and decided to make this big shift in my own life so so I get those things Um, but I also think about my own daughters and Mm -hmm. as I want to encourage them in the things that make their heart sing um, and tying that to what it is that you specifically want to do with your coaching business. Um, I want to, I want to hear you uh, share what it is that who your, who your client is, who you're reaching out to, who you want to help and why. Mm. Cause I, I know that this, uh, this is something I'm going to take home with me today um, in how I maybe change my interaction or the conversation that I have with my own daughters and they'll, as they, you know, find their paths in life. Yeah. So I think it's a kind of a two part thing. Yeah. Um, my ideal client is a young woman who is either trying to discover her path and she's in college or she is out of college and she's done the nine to five or the, the society's plan for her. And she gets it. She's like, what in the heck am I doing? And all of a sudden really feels that force. So really similar to my story of, yeah, this is not what I had planned. How am I here? What do I need to do next? I, I know there's more. I know that there's more within me. I know that there's more for, for me. Um, how do I get there? And so I, I work heavily with women in their 20s and 30s, making those massive shifts. And we all have our own timeline. So maybe you've been in that job for years and years, 10, 20 years. And now you're saying enough's enough. Maybe it's only been a year. Who knows? But um, really wanting to find their own magic and thrive in their life force, thrive in that uh, purpose that they have. <clears throat> yeah. So so that's kind of my my ideal client who really wants to make those shifts. And in regards to young women who, like your daughters, are right at that beginning of that evolution, mm-hmm. it's tricky. It's so it's such a hard time to, because so much is coming at you 
I just remember yeah. being at that age and something is coming at me from every angle and every direction. Mind you, I went to college and high school years ago, like before Instagram, I think like <laughs> Facebook was just starting, you know, so I didn't, and I thought it was a lot. So I can't even imagine how they feel now. Um, the biggest things that I would say is really listen to what, what sparks them. And it can be crazy stuff, but just listen to see. And listening to listen and listening to respond are two very different things. And most of the world listens to respond. So when I mm. say listen to listen, I want you to imagine that you have a plush little heart, which is your heart and your world. And you're going to sit on your heart in your world and then squish it for a second, put it on pause <laughs> mm. and listen to theirs, go into their world, go into their heart and see what's going on. And I do that in therapy where I actually have these like squishy <laughs> little stress balls and one's an earth and one's a heart. And I make parents and kids sit on their earth and heart, <laughs> super cheesy, super effective. Anyways. Yeah. I'll never forget it. No. And they get really annoyed that they remember it 10 years later. And they're like, Liz, I still think about sitting on my own heart. <laughs> but my point in it is just to get them out of, we're all in our own heads and we're all, we all have our own agenda. So most people, especially if they're in a tumultuous relationship or they're having conflict of some kind, they're just trying to come up with the things they can fire next. They aren't listening with the most genuine open, receptive heart. And to do it is super hard and really tiring. And <clears throat> there's no judgment with it. It's truly just a listening ear and a lot of nodding, a lot of acknowledging, a lot of asking more questions. Tell me more about that. Wow, that's interesting. Um, what is it specifically you love about that? Oh, how do you do that? Get interested, just mm. get interested. And teenagers, they're teenagers, half their brains shut down under construction because their frontal cortex is developing. So you're only going to get so much and just know <laughs> that going in. <laughs> which is which is just mind blowing that at that particular developmental stage, we're asking them to make lifelong decisions and we expect it's, them to stick to it. It's financially, ridiculous. emotionally, a trajectory, like all of it's. It, it is mind blowing because I think of myself at that age and I'm going, I, I just like to, to write papers about the things I cared about. Like I like to give my opinion of things and uh, I like to put it on paper and put it into words. And so that must mean I should get an, a degree in English. I, I didn't actually like to read books, so I don't yeah, know what right? I was thinking. No, I <laughs> to spend the next four to six years <clears throat> reading books was, yeah, you know, so it's a, uh, to have a, a gift of um, space to um, to be listened to, to mm -hmm. just for the sake of being listened to, um, that that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful, and most people don't get it. And when I and I'll do this sometimes at dinner parties, like my girlfriends, this is so terrible. I can't believe I'm even sharing this on a podcast because anyone who comes to a dinner party with me now that listens to this is going to think I'm doing this to them. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, your few glasses of wine in my girlfriends will be like, okay, I want you to go listen. Like they'll wink at me. 
and hear that guy's story. Get let's see how much Liz can get about this guy. Like, is he cute? Like, let's what's what's his story? And I'll go over there and I hardly say anything, Jess. I hardly say anything. I just ask a few questions and I sit on my heart for a few minutes and I hear this guy's slightly intoxicated story and I learn everything. And they're always amazed. These people are always like, I've never told anyone that, or wow, like this has been so intense for me. Thank you. Like, I feel really connected to you. And they honestly, genuinely feel like surprised and yeah, feel a sense of being heard for the first time. And how many conversations do we have every single day? I mean, right now it's kind of different, but (laughs) in general, how many, how many conversations do we have every single day? They're just transactional. They're just right back and forth. They're just a transaction. They're not a space or an opportunity for you to really open the floodgates and open up because that could be dangerous and scary and you don't know what will come from it. Uh, most of the time that's not available and we don't do it because we're protecting ourselves. Right. So if you have somebody in your life, like a parent or a peer or somebody that you can truly sit there with, and maybe it's over popcorn, glass of wine, me and my girlfriends, um, and just do it. It's super life-changing and uncomfortable in the best way. You come out of that thinking you kind of have a, what I like to call vulnerability hangover because all of a sudden you open the yeah. floodgates and then you haven't done it in so long or never. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I shared so much. I'm super embarrassed. How the heck do I come back from that? Mm-hmm. And the best thing to do if you're a parent and this happens to your kid and the next day they're kind of weird around you and they're just like, uh, hi mom, you know, they're uncomfortable. Is to just say, Hey, thanks for last night. It was good. And that was it. Just that. Mm-hmm. And just say, I love you kid. Or just acknowledging that, man, that was a really good conversation and appreciate it because then it'll kind of ease them a little bit. Be like, okay, still weird, but she's cool with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's kind of, um, a little snippet of, of how to walk alongside somebody discovering their, their journey and their path, because that's our job as I'm not a parent, but um, as a parent, I think that's Mm -hmm. the job is to walk alongside. Yes. Because we often, as parents, we get uh, distracted with the idea that we are directing our children. Mm -hmm. We are um, guiding them and which we have those roles within their life. But I think that this is a very, um, this this moment in their life where they are making major um, decisions or discoveries about themselves and where they're going to go out out from our home um, isn't necessarily the time I'm feeling, I'm sensing, isn't necessarily the time where we direct them as much as we offer them this this listening space mm-hmm. for them to hear themselves for them to discover themselves in that and that would be uh that that would be a a game changer um when I think about my interactions with my daughters and just simply letting the floodgates open and what do they want to say what matters to them um Mm -hmm. what have they reserved by me actually interacting having those transactions in a conversation versus just having that space to express all the things that they just need to say. My mom used to say um, that her favorite uh, 
time with us as kids, as teenagers, junior high and high school was driving across town. We lived in oh, Phoenix. Yes. So oh, yes. we, There's you know, it's always traffic and that sort of thing. And, um, and she said it was the most captivating time because we would sit there, she's driving along and we'd sit there and just start chatting. And it was like, she could just sit back, focus on driving and she would hear the world from us. And, um, wise woman. Yeah. And I, and I think about that as her child going, we talked about everything in the car. We talked politics, we talked religion, we talked relationships, we talked about everything. And I don't honestly know if there were other spaces in my life where I did that in that capacity. Um, So I'm so resonating with what you're saying about this, this listening, and it's, it's making me want to approach listening differently. I'm going to, I didn't literally sit on a squishy heart, but I'm going to have figuratively. I am because thinking about that in listening to someone's story, it's going to be a game changer for me to just take my heart, stick it under there and just sit back and, and absorb it. I do think it's a gift when someone offers their vulnerability in that way to us. Um, I highly value it. Um, I don't come by it so easy to just sit there and offer my vulnerability to someone Mm, in a conversation. Yeah. Um, So I do, I do value it and I do treasure it. And I, and I think this is, this is a huge takeaway for me in our conversation today is something very tangible that I can, I can place in my life in so many areas. Um, But particularly thinking about my daughters becoming their true self, listening to their deep soul voice and having permission from me to move forward in that, especially if it's something that doesn't look anything like me, that doesn't look anything like what our life was. It could be something completely new, which could be incredibly exciting, but giving them that opportunity uh, in this particular way with this very tangible way I can do this is really exciting to me. So thank you for that, Liz. Um, That's a, that's a huge takeaway for me. Um, You're welcome. Can I I say something really fast about the car? So, so um, I give that as an assignment for so many people Hmm. to, uh, so there's, when you face one another and you have like deep conversation, eye to eye contact is super invasive and intimidating, Yeah, especially for the young. And so when you are in a car, you're side by side, you are no longer in a vulnerable position. It's a lot less vulnerable when your eyes are on the road and they can't, you can maybe, you know, look really quickly over at them. But when you want to have really, really deep and meaningful conversations with people, they will not look you in the eye because it's just too vulnerable and intimidating. So that's why when you're working with kids and stuff, you use a medium like Play-Doh or you draw or you color. And I do it with adults too. We go on a walk. We uh, do some activity together. It's when you have something that's kind of a buffer in between the two of you, then all of a sudden you can open up their world. Mm. So the car is a great one. And I hear it time and time again, parents love car rides and they honestly like want to have traffic so that they can hear a little bit more. And they can just go, oh, cool, you know, tell me about that or whatever. And uh, and so that's just like the little science behind it is it's really intimidating. So when you want to have a deep conversation with your kid, instead of saying, sit across the table from me, 
let's mm. go do something together, like garden or fix the house on something or go on a drive or go do a task, you're going to get a lot better of a response and um, engagement from both of you, mm. actually, by doing something together. So fun fact. But what were you going to say? Oh, no, I just, um, yeah, my mind's going a mile a minute here on, uh, you know, thinking about going for walks and like all the, <laughs> all the ways that that makes so much sense without having known the science of it, but uh, that, that it's a, it's a very real thing. And I think about it as, in terms of myself as well. Like, oh yeah, those vulnerable conversations probably happened on a walk or on a run or um, definitely not face to face, you know, Is that wild? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, mm, good stuff to tuck away for sure. Good. I'm glad. I, I, um, I would love for you to share as we get ready to kind of, um, to wrap things up a little bit. I would like for you to share, um, what it is that you're, you're doing. You are right now today, as we speak, as we're recording this, you are um, launching some exciting new things online, and I just want you to be able to speak to that and how people can find you. Yeah, uh, ooh, that's the juicy stuff at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is your like your moment to share I your moment. passion. Here's my yeah. pitch, folks. Here it yeah. is. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm launching my website officially, and it's live, and you can find me at lizpasarin.com. So it's just my name and hopefully it's in the notes somewhere. Yes. So I know my last I name is a little rough. <laughs> um, so lizbasarin.com and I'm actually doing a three month series giveaway. So I am giving away three months of coaching with me for free to tackle whatever is going on in your life where you are feeling unaligned and disconnected and you want to connect back to yourself. So completely free for three months is a giveaway. Um, you can sign up on my website and you just have to type in your email and um, we're going to be doing that to celebrate the launch of my website, even though I've been in business a while. The website's a different story. It takes yeah. I takes <laughs> This has been uh, your uh your baby for a while now. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited about it. it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully you feel um, inspired and welcomed and comfortable when you land there. And then you can also find me on Instagram. Again, just my name, Liz Pizarin. Um, Feel free to message me at any time, share your thoughts, ask questions. I very much so want to be interactive with my community and the people that I'm speaking to, because I feel I only can get better if I, if I know more about um, your story and Mm -hmm. I can kind of sit on my world and go into yours. So yeah, that's, that's how you can find me. And I am super excited for this giveaway. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And what are, do you have dates around that giveaway? Just depending on when this podcast released. Oh gosh. Okay. So it's going to be, um, what's the date today? It's, it's going to be at the end of June. (laughs) I'm trying to look at dates. I don't know the exact formal date yet, but um, I'm going to be talking about it on my social media regularly. So it'll be right now. I don't know what date it is, but it'll be the end of June. Okay. So that that will be uh, post the release of this podcast. So everybody should be able to get that info and participate in that with you. Um, and uh, connect with you on Instagram to follow because you're putting out some really inspiring things and that uh, 
that really challenged me to look at my day differently, look at my, um, my, my thoughts and my, you know, personal goals for myself differently. I love your use of the word magic um, <laughs> because the thought that I, I have it in there and somebody's going to help me pull it out and live in it. That, that is just, um, uh, that's exciting. That's something I want to be Thank a part you. of. Yeah. You you are a girl. You will always, you're along this journey with me. Yeah. I, it's, it is so it. fun to watch each other. Um, uh, take those things that are deeply personal to us and offer them to the world and in a, in a coaching mechanism. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm excited to be part of your journey in that way. And, um, and I look forward to, uh, to seeing, you know, your business grow. Cause I know it will, um, and who you get to reach with, um, with your story. Um, so yes, I will put all of that info into our show notes so that they can connect with you there. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. And know this, I mean, I am doing a giveaway for coaching, but I also still take clients for therapy. If you yes. are in the state of California, anywhere in the state of California, um, we can connect. So I always want to make sure people know that. Cause I think some people for forget that's even possible. Um, which I think is a beautiful marriage of what you, um, what you do, that you get to bring the best of, um, both worlds together, um, into serving, um, many different clients, many different needs in your world. And so that's exciting to me, um, to see that, that you, you have this gift to do both, um, to tap into both, um, you know, uh, skill sets and, um, and offering. So I know we didn't even really talk about the difference. Isn't that funny? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much to say. There we is. just have to do another call together. I, we do. Cause, um, cause as 2. I listen 0. to your story, there's just more questions and more questions. And, um, <laughs> and I, I'm just, I, I look, yeah, I look forward to uncovering it all. So, um, so yeah, well, thanks for being, um, my guest today and, um, good luck with your, um, your launch of your website and um, all that gets to come from this. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you for listening and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you. Thank you.